Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Today on the show, we're going to talk about pastures and managing pastures. If you've got any questions for us about that or anything that's going on in your farm, we would be happy to talk to you. Our phone lines will be open throughout the show, 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. Or you can send us an email, radio at agphd.com. So we'll get to the Ag PhD mailbag in just a minute here. I'll give you a couple of quick things about pastures. And again, we'll talk about this throughout the show. But the what's top of mind for most people right now is weed control. And I'll just say this, if you're out trying to spray your pastures and the weather's cold, you're probably not going to be super happy with the weed control. But if you have a good enough residual product, like let's say it's Milestone, Chaparral, or Tordon, they all have good residual. So if you get ample rainfall, you can get enough herbicide into the root system of the weed, and then you can knock it out that way. But personally, I like the burn down control the best. So I, I just don't want those weeds that are standing there today to get past whatever spray we're using, and I certainly don't want you to waste your money. So make sure that that weather is warm. Personally, I like to see a nighttime temp above 50 and a daytime temp above 70 for best results. If you don't have that and you say, look, I got to spray anyway, you can, number one, bump the rate. Number two, you could add an adjuvant, like let's say it's crop oil or methylated seed oil. Just check the label or talk to your agronomist for what's best to go with each herbicide. So anyway, we'll, uh, we'll also talk about things like soil testing, fertilizing, uh, possibly even insect and disease control out in your pastures, uh, rotational grazing. We'll get to a number of things with pastures, but right now, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag! Hey, Brian, get a... Magnesium question. This one's from Ray. He said, I farm in the Mississippi Delta. We're raising cotton, corn, rice, and soybeans. We've got soil samples coming back on heavy ground with extremely high levels of magnesium, up to 3,000 parts per million. Just wondering, what advice do you have with high magnesium ground or with high magnesium soil tests to neutralize these high levels, at least temporarily? And is there even a long term fix? Well, Sure, there's a fix, but how much are you going to spend? So what what I can tell you is this. Just because you have high magnesium, that does not necessarily mean you have to have poor yield. But I will say when you have high magnesium, that's going to directly impact the potassium in your soil. And it's also going to help bind up some of your phosphorus. So you will be way ahead if you can band your P and K unless you like putting on ridiculously high rates. Now, if you love your fertilizer dealer and you would like to spend several hundred dollars an acre on your P and K, you can absolutely boost those rates up high enough that they won't get tied up so much that it's impacting what actually gets into the plant. So again, if you love spending money on fertilizer and you own the ground and you say, you know, I don't really care what I have to spend, then by all means, go do that. But if you're trying to minimize your cost per year, then you'll absolutely want to band. Now let's talk about fixing that for the long term. How you fix it is number one, you have to have great drainage. Number two, you're going to want to be using 
excess sulfur every single year for many, many, many years to be flushing that magnesium out of the soil. If you can combine magnesium with sulfur, that, that's magnesium sulfate, that's Epsom salts. That is leachable. Salts are leachable. So if you have good drainage in that soil, then you can get this flushed out. The problem with that is, number one, costs money. Number two, it takes a lot of tile because when you have high magnesium ground, that also means you have a high cation exchange capacity, which means you need your tile lines close together. So you see where I'm going with all this. There is a, and I don't remember if you used the word fix, but there is a fix to it. It's just, I don't know if I can economically justify that raising corn, soybeans, or wheat. If I'm raising some specialty crop where I got thousands of dollars of, of income per acre, then yeah, I mean, whatever. Or if you don't care, you just say, look, I want to fix it. And I don't care if I have to spend $1,500 an acre between the tile and the fertilizer, I want to fix it. You absolutely can. But you know, to think, hey, is that going to pay? I don't know. Uh, beyond that, I would say just take a look at different varieties and and when you find something good stick with that maybe for a couple three years because we have found more variance variety to variety in a tough soil like that as opposed to a soil that's got the perfect looking soil test all right thanks for the question get this one from mark in illinois so we've got very highly erodible ground and so since the late 70s we've been at no-till now the last 15 years we've been using cover crops as well really helped us with the erosion control and it's improving our soils overall one of the challenges though that we've got now is an increase in vole infestation <laughs> and it can it's enough where it can take the crop in some areas we've tried some baits just wonder if you have any other ideas because certainly we don't want to go back to doing conventional till the problem with voles is they like plants now voles and if you're not familiar with them they're different than moles okay we're not talking about moles moles actually like to eat insects they like to eat grubs if you get rid of all the insects then you're in good shape and the moles usually leave because their food is gone but with voles these are more like they look like mice with a long snout and yeah, I, we have some around our farm as well. So the number one answer, and you're not going to like it, is tillage. You make that ground black as much as you can during the year, and they don't have anywhere, number one, to feed. And number two, all the things that eat them will see them more often. So hawks and, I mean, there, there are all kinds of animals that will eat voles. But if they have somewhere to hide and all this residue, then they're less likely to get eaten. So if you don't want to go with that, and I assume you don't, uh, what would I do? I'd probably make sure that every time I'm planting a crop, I'm using an insecticide. So I'd probably use counter insecticide in corn. I would probably use capture insecticide in soybeans, and I'd hope for the best. I don't think that's going to be great, but I, I really don't know what to do to get rid of these these voles without poison and I don't like to use poison and I'm not going to use poison in my fields either so I get it uh, so yeah it's it, it is a real problem and that's about the best I can tell you well stay tuned we're going to talk about pastures right after this 
If you're looking to get the most out of your foliar nutrition and fungicide programs, ask your ag retailer about Nutex EDA from Sipcam Agro. Nutex EDA has been proven to increase foliar micronutrient tissue levels and maintain those levels for an extended period of time. When tank mixed with fungicides, Nutex EDA helps support plant health, resulting in higher quality and yields. Nutex EDA is an affordable and effective solution that should be part of every grower's high yield toolbox. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. As a little girl, I always wanted to run the combine because it meant I was helping dad. And dad always said, farmers are helpers. I'm teaching that to my daughters, that farmers help our family, our neighbors, and our community. It's what I do at work. I help farmers get the equipment they need. My name is Kim. I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. You're looking for soybeans that give you the yield you want. But when it comes to fighting your toughest weeds, you also need flexibility. Introducing Extend Flex Soybeans. Elite genetics with triple tolerance to dicamba, glyphosate, and glufosinate. The yield you want, the choice you need. Learn more at extendflexsoy.com. Always read and follow IRM where applicable, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. We're talking about managing pastures, and this is a very important topic and one that this time of year we all get caught up in if if we're raising crops, maybe we're uh, calving. There's just so many jobs that come with spring, and sometimes pasture management gets pushed to the back, but it could be a big deal for you and for your uh, cattle or livestock that you've got as well. Got our friend Colin out in the state of Washington on now to talk about this. Colin, how you doing? I'm doing good. Well, glad to talk to you today. And and I know you've got some unique challenges just with geography where you're at in terms of what you're going to get for weather and so forth with pasture management. But is spring a big time for you and your pastures, or do you do a lot of stuff in the fall instead? Both. We're actually reseeding fields in the fall, um, just basically applying more grass seed to, the, to it to, so we can get the grasses that we want into each pasture and or each paddock and allowing those to get a good start for the springtime. You know, that, that is a big deal, getting getting good grass growth out there. What, how do you determine which grasses that you plant? Are you looking for tonnage? Are you looking for nutritional value? What what are some of the features you're looking for? We're looking for all of it. But we want a, basically a grass species that will last and sustain itself for at least three years. And what's happening is the most of the native grass species are, are pushing in and they're by by doing the intensive grazing or rotational grazing, we really beat up those pastures to where 
the newer newer varieties just don't hold up. Well, interesting. Yeah, the rotational grazing is something we get a lot of questions about. Talk to us about what that means on on your farm. Does that mean a weekly move every couple of weeks? How often are you moving cattle around? It depends on 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 the field itself, but we'll even go with two or three even days. Wow. So I mean, it's it's more of intense than what you you really want to do, but you have to do it to basically keep the growth sustained. And you have to have enough paddocks to be able to rotate those animals through it. And we're, we're running probably around 100, a little over 100 animals per paddock like that. Okay. And that's one of the reasons why we're actually, we're having such an abuse on the, on the, on the fields. Sure, sure. You know, when it comes to fertility, this is something I know that you're passionate about on crop ground. What about in pasture ground? Are, are there certain nutrients that you say, man, I'm always short in this, I always need to add more, or uh, is there anything you're really working on on your farm right now? Which we try to keep up with everything. That's the that's the issue. you got to keep it in balance. And we're not, we're lacking basically just in some of the minor minor nutrients and um, basically, of course, nitrogen, especially when we're trying to get heavier tonnages out of, off the field. Sure, sure. Yeah, nitrogen we, uh, is always always one that we talk about a lot in the pastures. Growers definitely see that showing up. How about sulfur in your area? I've wondered about that, if that was a challenge for you as well. We have too much sulfur. <laughs> okay. So because of the you know, volcanic activity, our our water has sulfur in it and uh, molybdenum. So that's those are the ones that we actually have to be more concerned about getting inhibit. You know the um, selenium, the cobalt, the copper. Those those ones that we actually need coming in. So those are the minor ones I was talking about that are there we don't get, and we have to supplement the cattle because of that. Yeah, you're right. With the volcanic eruptions and and getting just tons of sulfur out there, this is something Brian talks about a lot. He's like, man, I love clean air, but I sure like getting all the free sulfur. Well, there's a limit when you can't control it and you get so much it just covers things by the foot. Uh, that That's not always such a good thing either. Okay, tell well, us about the cattle, Colin. How are the cattle doing this year? Are they having a good spring? Yes, we are having a good spring. Um, we are a little bit later than usual. I mean, we just started leafing out on on uh, on some of the trees around here and things like that. But uh, we've had some freezing weather, which we we're not normal to, and we have already been turned out before now. And we just got we just got started basically turning cattle out right now. Okay. Yeah, you never which know. Is unusual for us. <laughs> Yeah, it's well, it's been a strange last year for sure, no doubt about that. We're talking with Colin out in the state of Washington. Well, Colin, thank you so much. I know you're busy. I really appreciate the time today. Thanks for being on the show. All right, thank you. Let's head down to Mississippi. We've got Rocky Lemus on with us right now uh, with the Mississippi State University. Rocky, thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. All right, so Colin, out in the state of Washington, they got some different challenges. How about down in Mississippi? What are you seeing right now in pastures, and is it an unusual year, or are you kind of getting off to a normal start? Uh, you know, we uh, we get into a normal start. Uh, our weather conditions have been fantastic this this spring. You know, we 
we're getting already into uh, the upper 70s, 80s, and, and our Bermuda grasses and Bahia grasses started to actually uh, grow and green up very well. Uh, we're facing out, out of the ryegrass. A lot of people getting out of the ryegrass now and just transitioning into those uh, perennial uh, warm season grasses at this point. Uh, one thing that I, I have noticed quite a bit this year, and I've gone several several farm bases already looking at issues is with disease. Uh, uh, we've seen a lot of uh, uh, rust in quite a bit of dollar spot in mainly in Bahia grass pastures uh, in the area in the area in different areas of Mississippi and and is is growing quite a bit. And one thing that I've found out in a most of the fields that I've inspected uh, is not related mainly to a pH issue, but we've seen potassium levels that are very, very low. Uh, so uh, the issues of having poor fertility uh, is actually increasing the, uh, the uh, impact and incidence of a dollar spot across South Mississippi, especially on Bahia grass. And, and we see that mainly in some of the uh, uh, Argentine, uh, some of the new varieties such as uh, Tifton 9 that would be more affected, actually, Pensacola by hairgrass. Yeah, that is interesting. And, and you think about that with any crop. If we run short of nutrients, we're weak, just like us uh, as humans. If we aren't eating a very good diet, we're more susceptible to getting sick. So with the rust and the dollar spot, how do you treat for those? Are foliar treatments working well or are growers just not catching them soon enough? Uh, unfortunately, we got a problem with pastures on the south is that there is not fungicide that are labeled for forage production. So, so it's very hard to actually uh, go and treat those once you have it in those fields. Uh, what we have done is take the uh, approach of making sure that we we actually stabilizing that fertility to to get those plants out of the of that stage of where they're suffering because or the potassium not being available to them. Uh, another thing that we have recommended, and we do this probably in late fall, early early spring, is if you have a, a high incidence of foliar diseases in your vermeer grass or, or bahia grass, uh, we recommend that you leave it not biomass at the end of the season so we actually can go in there and burn those pastures. Uh, so what we're trying to do it is... Uh, destroy the amount of spores that might be um, accumulating in the soil and, and causing those issues. Uh, so that's because there's no foliar application of fungicide that are labeled for, for forage production in our area. That is interesting. And, and also just the talk about different varieties to pick the right ones, just like we're doing in really any crop that we're raising, trying to pick that right variety to, to stop some of those diseases, that really helps. That's correct. We're talking with Rocky Lemus down at Mississippi State University. Rocky, you got some great tips for us and a couple of things we can build our discussion on with potassium and disease control and so forth. Thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on today. Uh, thank you for your time. Yeah, we're talking pastures on Ag PhD Radio today and talking about weed control, fertilizing, soil testing, those types of things, and also answering any agronomic questions you may have at 844 844- 44 ag phd or you can email us radio at ag i've had a few emails come in already during the show today we'll get into some more of those and continue our discussion on pastures right after this 
Protect your empire. Rule your fields with dual modes of action. Low-use rate Authority Supreme Herbicide from FMC combines Group 14 and Group 15 modes of action for pre-plant and pre-emergence control of key broadleaf weeds and grasses. A preventative application keeps your fields clean when it matters most to crop productivity. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. This is Quick Dick McDick from Tufnell asking you, have you heard of Mandaco Land Rollers? They're the ones with the green paint, and I'm not talking about the green paint that requires a technician and a laptop to fix. I'm talking about the Mandaco green paint that doesn't need fixing because it's built tough. We're talking 5-8 thick, 42-inch diameter drums, people, and I've learned never to talk about size unless you can back it up when a measuring tape gets pulled out. So keep your seed and rocks in the ground where they belong and get yourself a roller at mandaco.com. A lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving. The inputs you choose have to deliver results. New Delaro Complete Fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected and yields higher even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit delarocomplete.us today. AgroLiquid is precision crop nutrition. That means being committed to product performance, to research and field testing, and to superior agronomics. Most of all, AgroLiquid is committed to delivering precisely the right nutrition in the right way, including seed-safe planter plus side dress applications and foliar applications with low burn risk. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. When it comes to trusted herbicide formulations, you know New Farm, and you certainly know New Farm exclusive Weedmaster. For decades, Weedmaster has been the go-to herbicide for consistent burndown weed control in a huge variety of crops, and in range and pasture management too. Don't let yield-robbing weeds stand in the way of your progress or profits. New Farm and Weedmaster Herbicide, here to help. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio today. If you've got any questions for us, just give us a call. 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. Or send us an email, radio at agphd.com. Okay, I want to talk about herbicides a little bit. In pastures. Let's start with Tordon. I love Tordon because it has tremendous residual. The big weed issue that we have in our region of the United States, other than thistles, we'll talk about thistles in a minute, is leafy spurge. And with leafy spurge, it's a primary noxious weed, so we want to make sure we wipe it out. The good thing with leafy spurge is it's often found in patches. So if you go hit your your leafy spurge patch 
with one quart of Tordon, you usually are able to permanently eliminate it. Now the downside with Tordon is it kills fish, uh, and besides that, it kills trees. So you have to keep it away from trees and away from fish. So you got to be careful where you're using Tordon. All right, thistles. Tordon is good on thistles. Milestone is great on thistles. So if you've got a major thistle issue in your pastures, just spend the money, put seven ounces of Milestone out there, and in a lot of cases, you're able to permanently eliminate your thistles. So that's awesome. Now, with both Tordon and Milestone, there have been premixes over the years that you could get. So, for example, Grazon is Tordon plus 2,4-D. Grazon Next is Milestone plus 2,4-D. Duracor is Milestone plus a 2,4, I'm going to call it a 2,4-D replacement product. And that's honestly probably the way that I would go in a lot of cases anymore. It's Duracor. I'd rather see you use that than uh, than using Grazon next. All right, let's talk about brush for just a minute. If you want residual for brush, Chaparral is good. Now, there are other products too. There's Spike, and I mean, there, there are some other ones that we're not going to spend a lot of time on today. And Tordon and Milestone have some activity on brush as well. But we like Chaparral because it's a combination of Milestone and Ally, and it's got lots of residual. Now, if you say, boy, all these products, Brian, you've talked about have so much residual. Tordon, I mean, literally, you could see 10 years worth of residual. Milestone, several years. Chaparral, several years. And you go, I want more flexibility. I don't want all that residual. Okay, here are your options for that. For brush, go to Vastlan or Remedy Ultra. The, the thing with Vastlan, it's the new 2,4-D choline. Uh, I shouldn't say the 240. It's the choline in there along with triclopyr, the active ingredient in Remedy Ultra. So I believe you're going to see less volatility and drift out of Vastland than you would out of Remedy Ultra. Either way, you don't have a whole bunch of soil residual that you have to deal with. Freelix is the 24D replacement product. It's the new 24D. Okay, the new 24D is called Freelex. And that's what you're going to find, like for Enlist crops, all it is is free, Enlist 1 is just Freelex plus another drift retardant. Anyway, we love this Freelex because you don't see all the volatility and drift like you do out of old 2,4-D. So if you're still using old 2,4-D, I'd really highly encourage you quit and switch to Freelex so you don't kill neighboring crops like I have personally. I've, I've uh, killed crops uh, I haven't killed trees or, uh, or anything, but I've dropped leaves off trees, killed flowers. So you don't want to do that. Just use Freelix, and then you don't have so many worries. Also, if you want something that contains a little dicamba and you don't have an aversion to that, go with Distinct. Distinct is about one-third the price of Status. It's the same thing as Status, only it doesn't have the corn safener. But it's so much cheaper than Status, and it's amazing. So Distinct is literally the best I would say, uh, annual broadleaf weed killer that I can think of that there is. Distinct is amazing. It's a step up from Freelex or any 2,4-D. It's a step up from Dicamba. So I really, really, really like Distinct on annual weeds. But again, if you've got some of those tough perennial weeds, go with Tordon or, or Milestone, just depending on what you've got. There are lots of options in terms of broadleaf control for you. Unfortunately, there aren't lots of options for grass control. So if you're having issues with specific grasses, what we're often going to tell you is, hey, do everything you can to fertilize well. Do what you can to rotationally graze. 
so the grass doesn't get so short because that's usually it's the same thing in lawns if you cut the lawn too short you're going to start seeing other grass weeds or broadleaf weeds popping up so use those cultural practices as much as you can in terms of grass killers in pastures there's plateau there's pastora there are a couple others too but i just tell you you got to be real careful. Make sure you know what grass you're spraying, what's the target, what's the grass that is in your pasture that you want to keep. Because, I mean, think about we're trying to kill a grass in a grass. That's not easy to do. So you got to have the right product at the right rate at the right timing. Again, you could look at Plateau or Pastora, for example. Those are the two most popular products. But they can't be used on all pastures everywhere. So you, on your farm or ranch may not even have an option for grass control. So that's where we talk about all those cultural practices. Okay. Other than that, um, I I guess I would just say, I, I would really encourage you to think about your pasture as a crop. As soon as you change the mentality of, hey, that is now a crop and I'm going to try to do everything I can to maximize the production and maximize the income on that, then I'm guessing you may start changing some of your practices. So for example, soil testing. Are you grid soil testing or or zone testing out in your pasture? Are you fertilizing using micronutrients and using things other than just nitrogen? I mean, there are a lot of things that can be done in a pasture to maximize production. Certainly you got to have great weed control, but fertility is even more important than that. All right, so I've got, Darren, you have anything else on pastures? Well, no, we could certainly talk about that all day and, and uh, man, to get into the soil testing aspect and grid sampling and, and all these individual nutrients that that you're looking at where a lot of farmers, if they've done any sampling in pastures, it's been N, P, and K, and it's been one sample per pasture or maybe just a few. I, I shouldn't say everyone, but but a majority that, yes, it's kind of mind-blowing to think about managing your pasture like you're managing your field, but it makes a huge difference. Like when we were talking with Rocky Lemus about disease management, but but also just production for, for your animals. I think, I think it's fantastic. So it, it's something to take a look at. We've done a lot about this on Ag PhD TV as well. Lots of information online. I'd encourage you, if you've got pasture ground, treat it well. It's worth a lot, and it can certainly help make your operation a lot of money. Got a question that came in from Nick, and he said, I applied dual atrazine and simazine at planting time for sweet corn two days ago. Well, overnight, we just had two inches of rain within 10 hours. I read about nitrogen loss with heavy rains. I can't find any information about the effect of heavy rain on these pre-emerge herbicides, dual atrazine and simazine. We've got coarse, sandy soil in northern Ohio. I'm wondering, is this application of herbicide lost? Do I need to reapply what would you recommend? Okay, well, first of all, there's no chance that I'm reapplying because we don't know how much was lost. Was some lost? Yes. Uh, the dual, chances are, is still there almost 100%. It's the atrazine and the simazine. That's what you could be potentially losing. So, yeah, it, it's it's just really hard to say um, if, if we're going to have a problem there or not. The good news is you can come in post-emerge with dual and atrazine if you want to. You you have other options to use post-emerge as well. So I'm just trying to say it's not the end of the world. It stinks. I get it. We've had that happen before too. But 
I, I, I know that you're going to get some performance out of what you put out, and you're going to get a lot of performance out of the dual portion. All right, thanks for the question. We appreciate that. Uh, I got this one from Ryan in Minnesota. He said, thanks for your online agronomy resource here. I've got a question about top soybean fungicides. Would you consider the Miravis products uh, like Miravis Top? It looks like it has a new triazole that is not propiconazole. Also, my other question is Saltro and the Adepidin that, that's getting marketed foliar. Is that the same thing? Well, thanks, Ryan. We appreciate the questions. Yes, uh, the active ingredient in Saltro that's used on the seed is also being used in some of the foliar fungicides. It's an SDHI chemistry, and it has good usages in in both methods for for different things. Uh, And then in terms of the best fungicides for soybeans, boy, there are quite a few. We'll talk a little bit more about that right after this short break. Listening to Ag PhD Radio. Weather or not, relentless control is what you get with Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. Protect your season from tough broadleaf weeds and grasses with dual modes of action and overlapping residuals that also minimize resistance. With an easy-to-tank mix formulation and wide application window, Anthem Max Herbicide is ready when you are. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. You work for results. That's why the Enlist Weed Control System gives you flexible tank mixing, near zero volatility, a wide application window, and proven weed control. Because the Enlist system was built for your results. Get better weed control with no ifs, ands, or buts at Enlist.com. Enlist.com. Customer service goes a long way when trying something new. Ryan Shaw from Michigan shares how Soil Warrior helped him transition to strip tillage in his operation. The Soil Warrior guys, they are amazing to work with. They made this jump in this transition extremely painless. One question that I get all the time is, how is the service and everything? And I said, well, actually, I get better service from them than I typically do my dealers uptown. They're just amazing. More info at SoilWarrior.com. Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback, an expanded application window. Makes life simple, and it's the secure choice. With powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, simple, secure. Veltima fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima fungicide is not registered in all states. The Pentair Hypro Express Flush Valve reduces plug nozzles and improves cleanout of your spray boom. Simply flush boom sections with a quarter turn ball valve and leave your tools in the cab. Plus, installation is easy. Simply remove the existing end cap plug and replace with the Hypro Express Flush Valve. Learn more at pentair.com slash hypro. Start your crop off right with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Our spike design excels on variable soils and shatters compaction. Plus, the unique shoulder firmer encases a seed to maximize seed-to-soil contact. Order yours at farmshopmfg.com. No matter what time of the year it is on your farm, with a Bayer Plus Rewards program, earning and redeeming rewards are always in season. Because when you buy two or more eligible seed or crop protection products throughout the year, you earn $3 per acre in cashback rewards. 
Cash you can redeem and reinvest in your farm later in the season. That's Bayer Plus Rewards. And that's how we're helping make every part of your season, well, rewarding. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to learn more. See program terms and conditions for full details. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Right in the middle of the Ag PhD mailbag time, taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Or you can email us, radio at agphd.com. Going in from Ryan in Minnesota, and he was asking about soybean fungicides. And he asked about a product that we don't talk about much on the show here, Brian, Miravis Top. We talk a lot more about Miravis Neo, but Miravis Top has a little different combination where it's got a triazole and an SDHI. And, and that's something that some growers are looking for, trying to avoid the strabilurin product. Yeah, that's a good point. So the reason why some people look at avoiding the strobe, and by the way, the strobes or strobilurins, as Darren said, that would be that would include headline, quadris, evito, and gem. So the reason why a lot of people want to avoid that in soybeans is to lessen the amount of green stems they see at harvest time. Okay, so if you're in that boat, you go, all right, well, I, I'd be willing to try maybe that Miravis top. What it is, it's Saltro, the the SDHI product, plus Inspire, the uh, Triazole product. So the active ingredients in Saltro and the active ingredient, or the active ingredient in Saltro and the active ingredient in Inspire is what makes up Miravis top. Uh so, yes, you can certainly use it. It's kind of spendy, but uh, that is definitely an option. The other option that we look at that has the same modes of action would be Lacento from FMC. That's much less expensive, and that's the one that we just have a little more experience with. So it's got a really good triazole top guard, and then their SD, FMC's SDHI, uh, Bixofen. So, anyway, either way, I mean, you could certainly try some Mervis top. You could go with Lacento. Uh, by the way, uh, well, the individual products can be bought separately, Inspire and Saltro. I don't believe either one of them is labeled for post-emerge use on soybeans. So I find it interesting that the combination, Miravis Top, is labeled. So it basically just tells you that the company said, you know, wh- why label these these solo products? We want people to use the combination. We like the combination better for the foliar diseases that we see in soybeans. And it's also a way to hopefully reduce the issues with uh, resistance. All right. And I get some soil tests here. This comes from Josh. And he said, I... Got a few questions for you. We farm in Illinois. We've been applying P and K every year, shooting for 250 bushel corn and 80 bushel beans, but we haven't been applying any micronutrients. And now I see on these soil tests, our zinc, manganese, copper, and boron are certainly areas of concern. We don't have any local access to manure, so we'd need to use commercial fertilizer to try to build these things up. We do own the land, so we're looking for a long-term program that could maximize our production. So first of all, we get a few questions based on these tests, just wondering what levels should we be shooting for to try to build some of these nutrients up, and then what products would you apply, and would you recommend doing it all at once or over a period of years? <laughs> okay, well, those are kind of the key questions, and I'll, I'll put it to you this way. When we pick up new ground and we own it, 
then we treat it different than if we rent it. And the reason why is simply because we're willing to put fertilizer out that's going to be there for many, many years. So, for example, if like on our farm where we're going for, call it 250 bushel corn, hopefully 300, but we'll just say 250, I want my my P1 levels to be around, so phosphorus and, and the beret test, I want those to be around 100 parts per million. Okay, you're at 30 in the 30s, which is certainly not bad, but if you're going for over 200 bushel corn, it's not sufficient. All right. Anyway, so I'm happy to build it up to 100, but that costs money. Okay. And it's going to take years to use up that phosphorus. Now, in ratio, if I say, hey, I always want my P1 to be 100, then what we have found is about a 10 to 1 ratio of phosphorus to zinc is about right to maximize yield. If we get that ratio way out of whack, our yields go down. So if I'm going to be at 100 parts per million in phosphorus, then I have to be at, at, at 10 on zinc. If you say, well, you know, I don't need to be at 100. How about if we're at 60? Okay, well, if you're at 60 in phosphorus, then I would tell you be at 6 on zinc. Also, with copper, we found somewhere around a 30 to 1 ratio is about right. So if I was at 60, for example, on phosphorus, that would mean I need to be at at least 2 on copper. And right now, you're at 1 or even less. So those are things that I would be taking a look at. On top of that, um, you're going to have some nutrients that actually, oh, I, I should say one last nutrient that isn't going to move a whole lot in your soil of around 15 CEC is potassium, and your potassium levels are too low. So I, I, you absolutely need to get those up. You're less than 4% base saturation K. You've even got some that are under 150 parts per million, so you just simply do not have enough potassium. All those nutrients I just talked about are going to stay in your soil for multiple years. But then you also have shortages on boron, sulfur, and and nitrate that are not going to stay in your soil for many years. So those are nutrients that you're going to need to add a little bit every year just to make sure you're you're getting your your, your levels up and you are sufficient in the plant. Oh, uh, there is one last nutrient I would mention that's manganese. That one's kind of halfway in between. It's it's not going to stick around forever, but it's certainly not as leachable as nitrate, sulfur, or boron. So you, you are low on manganese, and I would be addressing that as well. Now, when I, I just told you if it was my farm, what would I put on? Like literally everything. The only thing I wouldn't apply is iron, but I'm talking every other, uh, oh, and magnesium. Every other nutrient I'd be applying. And in some cases, a lot. So what would I spend to build this up? I'd have to run the numbers. But, I mean, it just looks to me like I'd probably be spending, I don't know, uh, let's call it 250 bucks. And you go, whoa, that's really blowing my budget out of the water. Okay, you don't have to do that all at once. But you do need to be on a build program with P and K and zinc and copper and, and manganese. So you got to be working on building those things up at least over time. Totally up to you if you want to do it in one shot or not. All right. Thanks for the questions. Oh, uh, hey, Darren, we had one come in this morning from Sarah, who was listening earlier in the week, and we were talking about compatibility with fertilizer, fungicide, and insecticide. And she said, hey, I, I heard you guys said there's no uh, fertilizer that's compatible with uh, that's uh, the fertilizer compatible fungicide out there. And look, no, we don't see that any fungicide is compatible with fertilizer. Now, insecticide, yes. Um, 
But in terms of fungicide, no, we just we really don't see any fungicide that's fertilizer compatible in a uh, a solid mix of fertilizers. So we got to make sure we're clear about what we're talking about here. Post emerge. Sure, you can mix a little bit of fertilizer with fungicide, and there's no problem with that at all. But when you have, let's say you're out planting with your planter, and you've got solid fertilizer in that tank, and now you're going to throw some fungicide in, we haven't found any fungicide that mixes very well. So what I always tell people is um, I would suggest you, you keep these separate. So inject the fungicide separate from the fertilizer. Now, the one that we know of that's a premix that does mix okay is Manticore. That is a combination of Headline and Capture LFR. Other than that, we've had nothing but problems with any fungicide formulation that we have used. So we, we just encourage everybody out there, hey, be real careful about what you're mixing when it's going into straight fertilizer without agitation. All right. Thanks for bringing that up. That's that's a great point. I got this one from Stephen. Uh, he said, I prefer to use multiple species in my rotational grazing program. Nature does a lot of work for me that way and saves me a lot of money. I know we were talking earlier on our show today. Thanks for the comment, Stephen. We were talking with Rocky Lemus down at Mississippi State. He was talking about putting in more warm season grasses and, and just how they were changing up some of the things they're doing. And also he mentioned different varieties were very susceptible to things like Dollar Spot in their area and Russ. And you can certainly do that with multiple species. You can cover a lot of bases in case one of the varieties in there is a little weaker on something for your area. So, yep, appreciate that comment as we were talking about pasture management on today's program. Got more questions to get to right after this. And, of course, if you have an agronomic question, the best way to get an answer is give us a call. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Or you can always email us radio at agphd.com. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Revitech fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide, brand new chemistry, three no excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide from BASF, that's smart. Always read and follow label directions. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe this spring with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at headsupst.com. Are you worried about nitrogen loss this spring? Well, we asked retailers what they thought about Instinct Next-Gen Nitrogen Stabilizer from Corteva AgriScience. What they said was so inspiring, we got an actor to reenact it. <clears throat> it's a great return on investment. A great return. Investment, investment, great return. All right, I think I'm ready to record. It's that simple. Instinct Next-Gen is a great return on investment because it protects your nitrogen. Learn more at protectnitrogen.com. 
High-yield growers know that bringing in big bushels means establishing excellent emergence. Start your crop off right with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. The Germinator Spike Design excels in variable soils and eliminates sidewall compaction. But what makes the Germinator unique is its inner rim shoulder firmer, which encases the seed with soil, maximizing seed-to-soil contact. It's not just any closing wheel. Reach your yield potential at farmshopmfg.com. Wherever you go, whatever you're doing, whenever you want. Farm your way with Case IH AFS Connect. Now you can farm, share data, and manage your fleet however, whenever, and wherever you want. Learn more at caseih.com slash farmyourway. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people, and we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. We get interesting questions about products that sometimes haven't worked with a lot, and other times it's things or we've used for, at all. for many years. <laughs> and I got, got one here today from Josh, and I think he's in North Dakota. He said, I've got a yep. few people in the area talking about this product called Calcine in order to fix tough spots in their fields. Just wonder if you have ever used that. Certainly you deal no. with lots of people with tough areas in the fields. No, we haven't. And let's put it this way. I'm assuming what you're talking about is sodium or salt. And, and that's the tough spot that you're referring to. So for many years, we'd heard about products that would help with things like that. And I was always extremely skeptical. But we do work with, and occasionally we have, uh, well, I think it was, was it yesterday we were talking about spray adjuvants, Darren? We had Jim Reese on the show, Precision yep. Labs. Yep. And Precision Labs works with golf courses all over the United States, fixing spots that they, they appear, it's like the water won't even soak in anymore. And so it ends up being either a salt or a sodium issue, and they're able to get some infiltration by using some of their products. So as a short-term kind of deal, fine. Um now, I don't know about this product. I couldn't find any label or anything, so I'm skeptical, of course. If you want to try some and see if it works, that's fine. Uh, but there are other products out there, too, so just talk to some agronomists, and, and maybe you know there are more proven products that, that could possibly help. But let's get to the root cause of the problem here. If it's sodium or if it's salt, the number one issue is drainage we would really encourage getting some tile out in that field. Now, knowing where Josh is from and around that area, a lot of people tell me, well, I don't have anywhere for the water to go. Look, there's always somewhere for the water to go. Now, you may not like it. It might be miles away, and it might take a lot of work to get it there and and working together with a whole bunch of neighbors. But nevertheless, I'm just trying to say, if you don't fix the drainage, then... I, I, there's, 
it, it's hard to have a lot of hope for the future, I'll be honest. So that's where a lot of people just put stuff back into native grass and say, yep, I'm not going to farm here anymore. I'm going to go try to find something else where I can actually put tile in the ground and I can have a long-term future. So that's my concern. And so I understand why you're trying to find some kind of uh, quick fix to this and, oh, hey, maybe this will solve the problem, but it's it's not going to solve the problem long term. It might just help you for a little bit and then you're going to be back to some of these other years where the problem gets really bad. If you get the drainage fixed, then the salts will go away. So that, that problem has gone. And as far as sodium, you can make that problem go away if you have the proper levels of calcium and sulfur in that soil. So we just have to look at the soil test. And as long as we're, if we're already high on both calcium and sulfur, your sodium is going to flush out naturally because your sodium is going to bind with the sulfate and it's going to form a salt, then it's going to flush out. Now, if you're short on either calcium or sulfur, then you would have to add those. But I'm just saying there is a, a solution and a long-term solution to permanently fix this issue of these tough, tight soils, but it involves having better drainage. So anyway, uh, beyond that, I would say if you want to send us some soil tests, we'd be more than happy to look at it. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe it's not a drainage problem. But my assumption is it is. But I would like to see, is it a salt deal? Is it a sodium deal? Or why are we having the problem? And is there something else we could maybe do with fertility? Maybe could we just simply put some calcium out there? Could we put some gypsum out there? And maybe that's going to solve the problem. I'd really like to see the soil test before I just blindly say, oh, it has to be this. I don't know for sure. Uh, But I I just know with a lot of experience in your area, uh, drainage is usually the cause or poor drainage, I should say. All right, thanks for the question. Got this one from Robert in Illinois. He said, we've got a water hemp control question for you for corn. We're looking for something with long control. And we've been using a post-emerge program with three modes of action, two effective modes against water hemp, 32 ounces of Power Max, three ounces of a, a mesotrione product, and a half to a full pound of atrazine. Our problem is we don't really like using group 15s over the top right after we plant. We've experienced some crop stress and issues there. And we end up with a poor crop canopy in end rows and turn rows. We side dress and frequently have three post passes with the sprayer. So those are our challenges. And so we end up with weed problems. Just wondering what you think. We'd consider adding a group 15 to the early post mix. And we're also wondering, would two ounces of sharpen over the top at planting last longer and be the product that we're looking for. Okay, got a lot of things to address there, and we only have five minutes left in our show. Let me start with the Sharpen. Yes, that's the best choice for pre-emerge control of water hemp. The If you look at the label, it's going to tell you a minimum of two ounces and a maximum in corn pre-emerge, has to be pre-emerge, corn can't be up, but a maximum in corn of 3.5 ounces. So is two ounces good? Yes. Is it going to stop your late season water hemp? Not a chance. It's not going to last that long. With three ounces, though, probably. So the the point here is you have to have at least medium textured soils in order to be able to use three ounces of sharpen. So, uh, and you can get up to three and a half with, according to the label, fine textured soils. All right. So that's the first thing. Uh, sharpen would your would be your best choice. No question about it. Now. In terms of this group 15 thing, I do want to talk about that real quick. I understand if you use a group 15 right after you plant, before the crop's out of the ground, that 
it might slow the crop down. We've seen buggy whipping. We've seen a number of different stress, stress issues coming from that occasionally. So it's not that I want a person to stop using a group 15. I don't because group 15s are great. But let's talk about how do we get around that issue. Okay, first way you get around it is apply it first, then till it in. So, for example, roughly half our fa- on half our farm, we do conventional tillage. And so there, we just spray the stuff out, till it in, we never have a problem. Next thing you can do is put it on way early. So on some of our ground where we weren't working it, you know when we sprayed? We sprayed uh, first week of March, and now we're planting here in mid to late April. So you can put the herbicide on way early. Now, granted, you can't have a bunch of weeds growing in the meantime or your herbicide gets used up, but no weeds are growing here in March at all. So we're, we're able to get by spraying real early, and then, again, we've had the chance to well, we have had the chance to get rain on it, so it gets soaked into the ground, spreads it out, and we don't see these issues that you're talking about, or certainly to the degree that you're talking about. And then finally, I guess I would say post-emerge, if you need something better on water hemp, we are see, we have seen some resistance to mesotrione in Nebraska. Water hemp got past it twice. So I'm just saying, um, if you want to use something else, status is always out there, okay? It's, I know it's a lot more expensive, but if you need to kill weeds, you use status. It's amazing. Um, other than that, you said that on these end rows, you have issues, and end rows and turn rows. Now, maybe it is just, uh, hey, I've either either overapplied something there or I have run over that ground so much or whatever, but I'd be real curious to look at your soil tests. Sometimes we do see a difference on the ends as opposed to in the field. It could have been, you know, somebody doing custom application over the years or whatever whatever it was. I don't know. And the fertilizer is just, the fertility is just a little different. So I'd be real curious to see what it is on the ends because I'm with you 100%. You got to have great canopy if you want great late season weed control and we want to help you get there. All right, Brian, uh, we get so many questions that come in, and this one is interesting. Amber's a younger farmer and just wondering, all right, my family prepays for most seed and chemical. This has been a strange year, of course, uh, and being a younger farmer, I may not have the bank account that some of the older members of the family have, but where would you say are must-dos during the year for young farmers like me? One of the things that our dad always talked to us about in farming and in business is he said, most businesses fail because they are undercapitalized. I realize when you're starting out, it's hard to have ample capital, but that's why a lot of the younger farmers work with relatives or they work with a bank. Otherwise, you've always got that risk because you can save a lot of money by prepaying. So we we really encourage people to prepay, and especially this year. I mean, if you prepay, let's say you bought your stuff in September, you probably saved on average 20% versus the person who's going to buy in June this year. And you got the product. So it doesn't take very many years like that, and you go, whoa. I mean, you can interest rates are like 3 or 4 or 5%, and I can save 20 um, yes. And so uh, we, we really like prepaying. We like locking stuff in early. We're big believers in planning ahead. If you're not able to do that, you just have more risk and it's, it's just it's harder to make things pay at the end of the year. Yeah, and comparing that to investing in grain storage, that's awesome. It's very convenient in the fall, those types of things. But this prepay thing is it makes money all the time. And uh, 
Grain bins, some years they make a ton, some years they don't. Thanks for listening to our show today. Be sure to join us again each and every weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.